You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Welcome to our time of worship again today. I am grateful that you want to worship. I'm grateful that we can be together in this medium and... I am grateful that God's church thrives no matter the no matter the context that uh, we are his people and, that, and that's what the topic of this series of sermons is my people when God looks at us regardless of where we are it's not geographic it is who we are who we have been made into particularly because of the blood of Jesus Christ God looks at us and he says, ah, those are my people. And what we're discussing is the story of Moses, the story of the Exodus, the story of Moses confronting Pharaoh and bringing the people out of bondage, out of slavery in the land of Egypt, and eventually into the promised land. And so that famous line, let my people go. And last week we looked at how God had heard the cries of his people, how he had seen their sufferings and he knew their sorrows. And so God was moved. God was moved in spirit even. God was stirred to action because of his care for his people. He saw his people in need and said, I'm going to do something. This week, We're looking how God did something, how his action, his plan, the unfolding of the Exodus story doesn't just show a God that's concerned. Last week we focused on God's concern, God's concern for his people. But now he's not just concerned and stays there. Oh, that's too bad. I feel for you guys, but good luck. That is not our God. Our God says, I feel you. I hear you, I see you, and I'm coming. And so, after the burning bush, after Moses receives that instruction from God, he goes to Pharaoh, he stands before Pharaoh, and he says, The Lord, the God of Israel, has said, Let my people go. And Pharaoh's first response is, Who's the Lord? See, Moses is using the personal name of God, what many would say is Yahweh or Jehovah. And Pharaoh had many gods in Egypt that he knew the names of, like Ra, the sun god, or many other gods. They had a whole pantheon, much like the Greeks and the Romans. And Pharaoh said, well, I know a lot of gods. Who's this Yahweh? Who's this Jehovah? And what you get is a... 10-part lesson of God showing Pharaoh who he is. The the 10 plagues begin to unfold, starting with turning of the Nile River to blood, and then the ones that unfold after that. And of course, you get the climax of the last one. You get the climax of the death of the firstborn, which is irony and cast in the shadow of, you remember what Pharaoh did when Moses was a boy? 
how he killed the baby boys of Egypt? Well, now God is reversing that back on to Pharaoh himself. So God is in his redeeming of his people and coming to his aid of the people. Those that brought oppression against his people, that oppression has now been turned back on them. Not just for the sake of oppression, but for the sake of righting the wrongs that were committed. And so the final plague, God says, the death of the firstborn. And he gives the instructions for the Passover, that they are to take a lamb, a year old, without blemish, kill it, put its blood on the doorposts, so that the blood saves from the death and the destruction. And I don't know if you remember way back to Easter, but I talked about the story of Passover. I talked about the the celebration of Passover and how much it correlates to the blood and salvation. And of course, that paints our picture of Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus did. And God passed over the Israelite homes that were protected by the blood. And yet in the homes of the Egyptians, and especially in the home of Pharaoh himself, God takes the life of his oldest son. Heartbreaking story. But as the plagues build up, Pharaoh continues to refuse to let God's people go. And so they intensify. And here's the most intense one. And what you see in the Ten Plagues is unlike the movie Ten Commandments, uh, Charlton Heston, all that. Unlike the movie Ten Commandments, or most movie versions I've seen, usually the movie versions show the confrontation of Moses and Pharaoh. That's not the confrontation of Scripture. The confrontation of Scripture is God and Pharaoh. See, remember, Pharaoh thought himself to be a god. That was the understanding of the Egyptian people and the pantheon of gods. And he had these other gods, like the sun god, like Ra, but Pharaoh was a god too. That's why they built the pyramids and were buried and entombed and in such extravagant ways. Because they considered themselves divine. And so God comes and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, they're my people. I'm not letting you have them. I don't even know you. God says, let me introduce you. Let me teach you what a real God looks like. And of course, Moses is right there. God is using Moses. God is speaking through Moses, acting through Moses. But for all the amazing ways and things, and, and for all the amazing story of Moses that we have, and how he's a commendable character in so many ways. Not perfect, but commendable. And a good example to follow. And uh, a prophet like no other, Scripture tells us. But when it comes down to it, the story of Exodus is not a story of Moses. The story of Exodus is a story of God. And how God confronted Pharaoh. And said, let my people go. And so after the Passover... Pharaoh does let them go. He is now broken. The nation of Egypt is broken. Uh, the people of Israel actually plunder Egypt. And in a very reversing and flipping the tables and uh, flipping the script, so to speak, that the oppressed people plunder their oppressors. How? Because the people of e Egypt are so eager to see Israel gone at this point because the ten plagues have brought the nation to its knees. 
And so they're, saying, they're giving them gifts saying, please go away. They give them their gold. They give them their, their jewelry and their decorations and so many other things. And so the nation of Israel walk out fairly well loaded. They have what they need for traveling. God has put all this in place so that Israel will have exactly what it needs. And of course, God will supply even more. And they get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's changed his mind with his hard heart. And he is pursuing the nation of Israel. God keeps him back with the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. He parts the Red Sea. His people walk through to the other side. And then Pharaoh decides, I'm going to chase them in. And you get this contrast again. God protected his people, but Pharaoh, in his desire to do harm, in his desire to enslave, in his desire to bring down, to oppress, to kill, you're not my people, Pharaoh. You don't get safe passage through my land. And that's exactly what the Red Sea was. My people, my land. And of course, the whole world is God's, even the bottom of the lake bed. And so Pharaoh tries to cross, but he's not given permission. He's not given passage. And the walls of water come back, crashing down upon him, destroying his army utterly defeating the nation of Egypt. And they come through the other side. And that's what I want to focus on this morning with a scripture. They come through to the other side, and what do they do? They sing. They celebrate. One of the first hymns, first psalms, first songs that are sung in scripture that we have recorded for us is in Exodus chapter 15. Turn with me there. This song recounts the events just taking place. They put it to song, they celebrate it. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The, house, the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. God said of Israel, this is my people. Now Israel, because they've seen what this God can do like no other God worshipped anywhere else in the world. They see unbelievable sights and take part in un unbelievable events, the parting of the Red Sea. They get through to the other side and they say, you're our God. God has already said, you're my people. He said that first. Whenever Israel sees their deliverance, whenever they're set free, they say, yes, we are your people inherently, and you are our God. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Again, this is the personal name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah. The chariots of Pharaoh and his army he has thrown into the sea, and his chosen officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the abundance of your majesty, you have overthrown those who rise up against you. You sent forth your wrath. Now look at verse 7. You have overthrown those who rise up against you. 
This is an interesting way to put it. Because Pharaoh didn't necessarily rise up against God. Pharaoh rose up against the Israelite people. Here's the thing. From God's perspective, you rise up against my people. You rise up against me. You want to pick a fight with my people. You pick a fight with me. That's our God. That he is so invested in us, so compassionate and full of loving kindness toward us, like a father over his son, like a brother looking out for his sibling. If you want them, you deal with me too. And really, from God's perspective, you go through me. And who can go through God? Pharaoh thought he could. Thought he's another God amongst all the other gods he talked about, heard about, manipulated, used to his own advantages. Maybe even coerced his nation to believe out of fear so that you know they would honor him more because he was a God and he could put in a good word with them, all that stuff. Power uses often religion to its own, effect, own ends. And unfortunately, Christianity has not been immune from that. But God will not be used. God himself. You see, the structure of religion men have corrupted. And the structure of Christianity men have corrupted. But as we corrupt, and sometimes as we even would use something as beautiful as this idea of Christianity and would use it to push down, use it to oppress, use it to do harm. Whatever religion, whatever motivation, whatever justification we would have in our mind for how we can treat others as less, that is no, 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 no. They're my people. And you try to treat them poorly, you're treating me poorly. And I will come and set things right. Which means things won't go well for you as they did not go well for Pharaoh. Let's keep going in Exodus 15. You have overthrown those who rise up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing water stood upright like a heap, and the deep waters were solidified in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will chase, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire will be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. Why? Because Pharaoh says, I'm in charge, and these are just my people to be used for whatever I want to use them for, and I'm going to destroy them because I'm more powerful. Again, God says, no, Pharaoh. In that, you are mistaken. You are not more powerful than me. You may have been more powerful than them, but now you're dealing with me because they're my people. But you blew with, the, with your breath. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, fearful in praises, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. By your loyal love, you will lead the people whom you have redeemed. By your loyal love, you will lead the people you have redeemed, the people that belong to you, the people that you have purchased. Your people. 
God, by your loyal love, by, by your wonderful reign, by your perfect character and your commitment to your people, your loyal love to your people, your unswerving love, you will lead us. Why? Because we're your people. The Israelites were starting to figure it out. And this beautiful song, they kind of do. Doesn't take long before they forget again, unfortunately. But this beautiful song should give us a perspective of how we respond as the people of God who've been set free. God looked down on Colby Clap and said, That's my people. That's my son. I'm going to set him free. Free from bondage. Free from sin. Free from death. And my only response is, you're my God. I want no other. Nothing else in this entire world can come close. I will serve. I will follow. I will submit to and love and cherish my Redeemer, the one who set me free. You will guide them by your strength to your holy dwelling place. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab, and the inhabitants of Canaan will shake. Fear and dread will fall on them. They heard about what happened to Egypt. Egypt was the strongest nation in the world at that point. And they got wind. Did you hear what happened? This nobody people, this group of slaves, they said their God defeated Pharaoh. They said their God crushed the will of the nation of Egypt and brought them out with mighty miracles and powerful signs. And so as Israel starts to get close to the land of Canaan, they get worried. They think, oh no, we don't. We serve our gods, we have our pantheon, we have this God that does this, this God that does this, and we're praying as hard as we can, but we've never seen a God like that. They're shaking in their boots, and that's what this song says. They'll be shaking in their boots when they hear this, as they should. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your army, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, O Lord. Again, we're your people until the people whom you have bought pass by. Some translations say crossed over. Until your people have gotten where they're going, they are going to be terrified. Some opposed them and some were defeated by God. Others just stood back and let them pass. They didn't want any of that. And that's what this song anticipates. Why? Those are God's people. God sticks up for His people. God acts on behalf of His people. God loves and takes care of and guides and leads His people. And this is no God like any other nation serves. This is the one true God who lifts up the oppressed, who lifts up the weak, who lifts up the downtrodden, the abused. So be very, very careful which side of the fight you pick.
You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, in the place you made for your residence, O Lord, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh came with his chariots and his footmen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the Israelites walked on dry land in the middle of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a hand drum in her hand, and all the women went out after her with hand drums and with dances. Miriam sang in response to them. So Miriam kind of keeps the song going. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The point that she's emphasizing, the point that the other women with her are emphasizing this uh, as the women continue to celebrate the glorious victory of God. And Miriam, the sister of Aaron, the prophetess, um, leads the way in this chorus. And the point she's emphasizing again and again and again, as she continues to repeat this, the Lord has triumphed gloriously. The Lord won today. Again, she knows this story wasn't about Moses and Pharaoh. This story wasn't even about her brother Aaron and Pharaoh. And Aaron was right there too. She saw the whole time. Just like every, all the Israelites did as well. They, they know Pharaoh. Moses didn't do this. God did it. We're not a people that belonged to Moses. Moses was their leader. And God expected them to follow Moses as their leader because God had appointed Moses leader. And Miriam and some others mess up later on by not listening to Moses, who was speaking for God. But she knows here, as we should know, we look at the perspective of God as protecting His people. There are things going on in this world. And some of it brings us harm. Some of it brings us burdens. Some of it, like the Israelites, hard labor hard lives, lives filled with sorrow, pain, separation, heartache, burdens that seem insurmountable. In, in the world, it looks like just getting worse. Nothing we can do about it. Nobody cares. And our faith would give us the eyes to see, oh no, God's still with His people. Sometimes I can't maybe see Him as clearly as I want to. Sometimes I feel those burdens so heavy. I, feel, I cry out, where is, where are you, God? Are you coming? Are you going to help? And those are natural responses. And God's got big enough shoulders to carry Him. It's all right. But we don't stop. We don't throw in the towel. We don't give up because we have the perspective, the vision of Miriam and of others, of Moses himself. God's winning this fight. It might be scary right now. Just as they were standing by the Red Sea and Pharaoh's charging on them. And they said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. Moses said, hold on. 
you're going to see your God today. Ah, chills down my spine. Hold on, you're going to see your God. Just watch. He's going to win today. And how do we know that? How do we really know that? How can we be sure? Well, we just trust God. And we put our hope and our confidence in what's happened before. Miriam had a very interesting perspective in all this. Here she is singing this last refrain of this song again and again, leading the other women in the chorus as they continue to walk and celebrate, march on now as they're heading towards Sinai, where they'll receive the law and the covenant and the Ten Commandments. You see, Miriam said, you know what I saw today? I saw God deliver His people in the water. You know what else Miriam saw when she was a little girl? She saw her mama put that baby in the basket. Moses. In the water. Just like the Israelites went into the water, Miriam's mama, Moses' mama, put Moses in the basket in the water. Miriam, his older sister, because Moses, Aaron, and Miriam were all brothers and sisters. Miriam watched and then followed. She walked along the Nile, and she's the one who saw Pharaoh's daughter pulled Moses out of the river and walked up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, Hey, you want somebody to nurse that baby? I know a woman who could nurse that baby. And turns out to be Moses' mother. And so Miriam saw that. And I don't know what she understood in that moment, but maybe as we reflect on this moment, she... Uh, scripture kind of ties them together for us. Those themes of being drawn out of the water, rescued out of the water. Miriam saw it twice now. And it's not Moses doing it. It's God doing it. He's the one that delivers. It wasn't even Pharaoh's daughter doing it. It was God working. And again, that should be our, our eyesight. God working. God working in difficult times. God working in upheavals and stresses and strains and in the midst of things falling apart around us or in the midst of contention and strife. God is not absent. He is right there. And what He says is, My people, I am with my people. I protect my people. I deliver my people. Let us never be the ones that bring oppression. Never let us be the ones that oppose God's people. Why? Because if we oppose God's people, just like Pharaoh, we'll find ourselves opposed to God himself. And that's not a place we want to be. Rather, let's embrace our deliverance and then extend that deliverance to others. Saying, God can set you free too. Join us. Join us not because we've got it all figured out, but join us because we have an amazing God. And we can tell you stories that will send chills down your spine. 
blow your socks off. They're not just stories. It's a perspective. It's a vision. It's an understanding of, don't you see? Don't you see God at work for his people? 